0: It's that time of the week again. It's time for chit chat across the pond. This is episode number six hundred six for August thirty first, twenty nineteen, and I'm your host Allison Sheridan. This week, I am joined by someone you never get to hear from, Bart Bouchat's, <laughs> with a non programming by stealth episode of chit chat. How are you doing today, Bart?
1: I am doing just grand, Allison. Um, I yeah, I think I'm getting to the stage where I really, really want the summer to be over so that my <laughs> Chaos time of year can come to an end and my two weeks of vacation can start and I, my brain can reboot. <laughs> but thankfully, one of our listeners saved me from having to find a topic for us this week.
0: <laughs> well, we, we did decide that you were still far too fried to do a, uh, a programming by stealth. I, th- I think we just declare that programming by stealth takes the summer off every year because we keep doing this. We just never do it predictably, right?
1: Actually, that's true. We should just accept a summer hiatus, because there, there, it's, it's one of those things, my brain can only do so much programming, and right now my programming energy is going, is, is diverted elsewhere. Now, it's all JavaScript, which is great, um, and it's actually using very heavily the what I'm about to teach you about in programming myself, Async Await, like that is my bread and butter these days, which is kind of so, fun, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there's no question you'll be really good at it when you teach it to us, if you weren't already.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thousands of lines worth of good, yeah.
0: <sighs> All right. Well, so what uh, What actually are we going to talk about today?
1: Okay, so I'm going to, I don't usually read out loud, but let's have a go. Maybe I have finally learned the skill of reading out loud. So listeners got tweeted at me. Hi, Bart. Any chance you can talk about DOH and DOT? I know Firefox had, had a DOH, and my ASUS router using Merlin custom firmware now supports DOT. But I'd really love your love to hear your take on it all, please. Maybe on security bits? Question mark. <laughs> so I sure hope you're
0: going to start with explaining the acronyms because I have no idea what he's even talking about.
1: Well, yes. So the, the D the D in both of those acronyms is DNS. Okay, it's DNS over HTTPS is do and DNS over TLS is DOT. Okay. So DNS is very much the topic du jour. So where I actually want to start is by a little quick refresher on what DNS is, what problems it solves, and a little bit about how it solves those problems, because there's a few problems with DNS, and DOH and DOT are the probable solutions to one of the three problems with DNS. But we can't describe the problem to be solved, really, until we rewind ourselves a little bit. Now, I know I've talked about DNS many times before because I love DNS. It's one of my little pet (laughs) things that I just like. Probably because I'm a DNS admin. Um, But anyway, as a reminder, DNS stands for the Domain Name System and it translates between human-friendly domain names like com and information needed by computers. Hmm. Now, that's often inco- or incompletely summarized as turns names into IP addresses, but that's a bit like saying that the dictionary descri- the, defines the word alphabet but doesn't do anything else.
0: Hmm. okay.
1: So there are many different DNS records, but what they have in common is that they are all a way of telling a computer something a computer would need to know based on a human-friendly name that can be typed into a settings field easily. So the most common type of record is the so-called A record, and its job is to take a name like www.podfee.com and turn it into an IPv4 IP address. So that is the thing... Most people would describe DNS as only being A records. So that is a thing it does, but it's just the one. There's also something called a quad A record, which is written as AAAAAA, but thank goodness pronounced as quad A. And that is the IPv6 equivalent of an A record. So if your website were to be hosted both over IPv6 and over IPv4, you'd actually have two DNS records for it. An A record for the machines that can only talk IPv4, and a Quad-A record for the machines that can talk IPv- IPv6.
0: Okay. All right. I think I'm with you so far.
1: Another very important thing DNS does is it tells computers what email server belongs to any given domain through something called an MX record or a mail exchanger record. So if someone wanted to send an email, it's, you know email addresses are something at a domain name. So the the thing before this, the at is the piece of information the mail server uses to find the right mailbox. And the thing after the at is just the domain name. And the MX record is used to map that domain name to an email server that will accept those emails. So I happen to use Google, of all things, me, but let's not go there. For my podcasting domain because it was free and once you're grandfathered in, you get to keep your Google apps for free for life. And if I ever give it up, I never get it back again. So that's why I'm still there. Anyway, if you try to email something at uh, let's talk. ie, it knows to send that to Google. And the reason it knows is because my MX record for let's talk. ie points at Google's mail servers. So, so you and I
0: both is. have have domains, and we have physical servers that those domains are pointed to, okay. um, on you know through different companies. But our mail servers are not those same physical servers. We're both using Google as a mail server, and it's the MX record that tells tells yes. it that correct. That so the A record
1: t- says that podfeed.com dot com is your server in Bluehost or whoever you uh-huh. with this right. weather. Uh, And your MX record says that your email is with Google. Okay. There's also things called CNAME records, and these are basically, I think of them as redirects or aliases. A CNAME basically says, look over here. So you might have, say, chat.podfeet.com as a CNAME for www.podfeet.com if they were both on the same server. And then instead of having two A records that you'd have to update if you change your IP address, you have... One A record and one C name. And it's just its just a redirect. It's just a is
0: shortcut. Is it, a C name where, you, you helped me do this so long ago, a C name, is that where we set that podfeet.com goes to It
1: Yes. Now, on your domain, it's actually exactly the opposite way around. Oh. <laughs> you have a C name for www.podfeet.com that goes to podfeet.com. Oh. Huh. Okay. This idea, but, but I, I was checking your DNS records earlier. <laughs> I was going to say, why do you remember that? But okay, actually, the great terminal commands. As Taming the terminal came up on Twitter. The host command does all sorts of DNS fun stuff. So if you say host podfeed. it will tell you that podfeet has address blah, and it lists the M- the MX records. So it shows your A record and your MX records. And if you do a host www.podfeet.com it will show you that it's a C name. Hmm.
0: So I'm it says that,
1: www is an alias for podfeet, podfeet has address, and then it lists all the stuff for podfeet.
0: Oh, look at that. Huh. okay. Yeah.
1: So the host command is really good fun. Windows people don't have it. They're stuck with crappy old NS lookup. But we we Unixy-Linuxy people, whether you're on Linux or Mac or Unix, you're going to have host, much better command. Anyway, the other thing that DNS does is something called a PTO record, which is a reverse DNS record, and it will map an IPv4 or an IPv6 an IP address to a domain name. So if you say host, let me see, I think I have a reverse DNS. Let's see if you have a reverse DNS. So if you say host and then put in your IP address, will it tell you what your DNS name is? Oh, I mean, okay. ah, Interesting. Okay, so your reverse record points to something that your hosting provider has set up. Hmm. Whereas I think, do I have a normal... The, does part B.E mm-hmm. have a... Typical reverse record. Let me just check that. Well, it has a more sensible reverse record um, because my web server actually is www.so-4pt.net and my reverse record points at that, which is technically correct. Uh, A minutia that our listeners probably don't care about. Anyway, Hmm. reverse DNS records go the other way, from IP address to name instead of from name to IP address. Um, Another one our listeners are lucky to come across are TXT records. And they allow you to map an arbitrary piece of text to a domain name. And why might you want to do that? Well, it's often used as a method of proving ownership of something. So if you need to prove you own a domain so that you can register it with, say, Google, then they will give you a randomly generated number and say, put that as a TXT record on your domain. Uh, Oh,
0: it's just a text file?
1: It's just a piece of text. It was a string. Okay. And so they will give you a cryptographic string. And if you can make that appear on your domain name, then you clearly control your domain name because they made up the string and you were able to make it appear. So you are in control. Okay. So proof of ownership, basically, is often under TXT records. Another thing that's often done through TXT records are protocols like SPF and DKIM for controlling spam. So an SPF record lets you specify in a DNS text record every IP address that's authorized to send email with a from address of your domain. So if an email arrives at a web server and the from address is anything at podfeet, then the TXT record for podfeet could specify a policy for where that should be considered legitimate and illegitimate. Oh. I don't know if you have one, but you may well have one. Let me see. Dig plus short txt You do not. You have a TXT record. It is your Google site verification equals and a big random number.
0: Oh, so exactly what you were saying.
1: Yes. So you Look don't have an Go girl.
0: I totally remember doing that, Bart. <laughs> you would have done that quite some time ago. <laughs> yeah. People ask me about how about to TXT. set things up. I'm like,
1: no idea. Yeah, I don't have any TXT records at the moment. But yeah, so you can use them to for, for all sorts of cool things like that. Okay. And that's I've stopped typing at that point, but there's actually more. Um I probably should mention that SRV records allow you to map services and port numbers to names. So they're used for things like when you come into a modern workplace and you just plug in your Windows 10 machine. It will magically find the Microsoft licensing server your corporation owns. Well, it's not magic. It actually looks up a DNS SRV record, and that will tell it what port number and IP address to go and connect on to contact the licensing server. Uh, automatic VoIP setup for Microsoft-y stuff, again, uses SRV records. And then there's even more DNS records, but let's, you know let's call it a day at that. Basically, DNS is a mechanism for mapping information computers want, to domain names humans can conceivably remember and type.
0: Okay, now so there, you know my you're going to punch me through the internet here for asking this, but um, people often say DNS to mean domain name server, but new. DNS really is domain names. Well, yes, they do. Whether they're right or not. Ah, yes, sorry, right? yes, 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 yes. You are um, you are correct. Yes, yeah, and and I would never have done that. I'm sure or most of the time. So DNS is domain name system.
1: Yes. DNS is the whole big the, the whole big thing is the, is is the DNS, the domain name system. Okay, now, so d-
0: DNS servers is not one of those that's not one of those stupid things to say like uh, ATM machine is stupid because the M correct. means machine. So DNS correct. server is correct.
1: Yes it is because oh. the domain name system server. Now DNS server is incorrect for a different reason but we'll get to that. It's not because it's redundant. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's still wrong. It, it, it's the, it's horrifically abused. Okay, but we'll get there in about three minutes. Um, I would say that without DNS, the internet does not work. I mean, really, the DNS is what holds the internet together. Quite frankly, we should also mention that DNS is DNS names, or sorry, domain names are hierarchical from left to right. So www.podfeet.com com is the top level domain or the TLD podfeet sits underneath that as a subdomain of the com top level domain and then www is a subdomain of the subdomain of the top level domain okay right which is exactly the opposite direction to how human beings generally work but someone thought of that in the 1980s and that's now what we have forever never never Um, so The root DNS servers are sort of the vital infrastructure that acts as the entry point to the entire domain name system. So the root DNS servers delegate authority to authoritative DNS servers for each top-level domain. So there are authoritative DNS servers for .com. There are a different set for .ie and another set for .net. You get the idea.
0: So that's different than just some local one that looks up yes. at the IPv4 addresses for you.
1: Correct. So these like are all whoevers. Okay. DNS this is, servers.
0: This is the one that you're in charge, or this set of them are in charge of taking care of .com.
1: Yeah, so these publish information. They don't find information. They publish information. Oh, okay. So they are the source from which lookups will be done, right? In order to look something up, someone's got to publish it. Will the authoritative servers publish? So the root servers are like the... They're the starting point for this whole hierarchical trail. So they basically say who does com, who does net, who does IE. And then the com servers know who does podfeet.com and apple.com and google.com and so on and so forth. So they, it's, the word is delegation. So the comm servers delegate to authoritative servers that you control through a control panel that you pay for. But you control the authoritative servers for podfeet.com. So the root servers delegate to the comm servers. The comm servers delegate to your servers from your domain registrar. And then your servers host the actual information that says that podfeet.com has had a given IP address, has a given MX record, has that TXT record to prove that you own your domain for Google. So that's how that hierarchy hangs together.
0: Okay. I think I got it.
1: Okay, so authoritative DNS servers are the first thing we've encountered. The next things we encounter are DNS clients. That's what's in our computers now. DNS clients send DNS queries to DNS resolvers to query authoritative DNS servers for DNS records. It's a lot of DNS. So the client is going to be some piece of software, like an app or your OS. So your mail client is a DNS client because it wants to send an email to me. Well, it's got to figure out how to do that. So it needs to ask some DNS questions. So it becomes a DNS client. Your no. browser wants to browse the internet and you type in a domain name and it needs to go figure out what IP address that's at. So your browser becomes a DNS client. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, the the first sentence you said where you said all of these hierarchical levels, I'd lost you, but understanding that DNS clients are software like apps or OSs, makes sense.
1: Yeah. So they then have questions, which are called DNS queries, and they now need someone to answer those questions for them. And that's a DNS resolver's job. So it, re- it resolves answers to questions.
0: So it, let me see if I can guess. Does it take the, the question from the client and looks at the root server to see the answer?
1: It starts at the root server and then follows it all the way down the rabbit hole. So it says to the root server, Hello, root server, I'm looking for www.potfi.com. And the root server says, I don't have that answer for you, but... I do know that those com guys will get you closer. So go talk to them. And it gives back the IP addresses of the com guys. And then I ask the com guys, I'm looking for www.podfeet.com. And the com guys go, I don't know the full answer to that, but I do know who's responsible for podfeet.com. Here's its IP address. Go talk to them. And then your authoritative server actually has the answers because you've programmed them into your little control panel. And then Ah. that answers the resolver and the resolver answers the client.
0: You would think that'd be really slow.
1: It can be a little bit slow, which is why there are caches all the way down. DNS just caches everywhere. Cache, 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 which is both what makes it brilliant and a gigantic Achilles heel. Because if you poison the cache, well, you've just got the wrong answer baked in for a couple of hours.
0: Oh, right, right.
1: So DNS resolvers are completely different things to authoritative DNS servers. Right? The resolvers get the answers from the authoritative servers. Right? Colloquially, both are called DNS servers. Okay. Which is why when someone says DNS server to me, I cringe because to me that's meaningless. Do you mean resolver or do you mean authoritative? If you say to me, "Bart, what's it my would DNS be server?" To
0: It would probably be important based on what the actual question or statement was. It might not be, right?
1: With some context, it becomes apparent what you probably mean. So if you're in your Mac's system preferences and there's a field marked DNS server, well, your Mac needs to look things up. So it's looking for the address of a resolver. And if you go to to GoDaddy or whoever and they're looking for dns servers well they're looking for authoritative dns servers so with with context you can figure it out but in the abstract hey bart what's my dns server it's just
0: would anybody you know, ever ask that
1: though oh i get asked those kind of things and i'm always like in what context
0: so, so if anyway. i say that if i say that i've got um i'm using cloudflare i've put in 1.1.1.1 my mm-hmm. DNS client, my mm-hmm. my OS, is mm-hmm. looking to. That must be a resolver. Is Cloudflare?
1: Bing, Bing, Bing. Ten out okay. of ten. Indeed, okay. it is. Whereas your GoDaddy servers are your authoritative servers.
0: Oh, oh, okay. So every uh, server company has its own resolvers. I mean, I'm sorry, authoritative no. servers.
1: Well when you buy when you register a domain name from someone you're you're buying two things the ownership of the domain in an abstract sense so basically on a piece of paper somewhere Allison is officially the owner of this domain and you're buying access to an authoritative server to actually place the records to publish the actual information
0: but that's that lowest down one not not the top level one
1: right so you don't get to control the it's not a
0: root it's not a root one it's an authoritative DNS server one level down. Got you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm with yeah. you now.
1: So you can see someone's authoritative name servers by looking for their NS records, which is another kind of record. So your for yours, it's ns01.domaincontrol.com and ns02.domaincontrol.com. That's I guess. How what do you know that? Equal. Because you- I just, I just, okay. So dig space plus short, all one word, space podfeet.com space NS. We'll do the DNS query for you. Okay. Or you can do it at bartp.ie. I see it. Uh
0: huh.
1: And those are your authoritative servers that are publishing your information. And if you do it for bartp.ie, you'll see that I'm using digitalocean.com.
0: Mine says domaincontrol.com. Who the heck are those guys?
1: They're obviously owned by GoDaddy. (laughs) Because (laughs) that's who you're... Or maybe not, actually. Maybe I'm completely wrong about who... I could be completely misremembering. Ignore me. Whoever whoever gets yeah. your credit card money, it, Blue, it's
0: theirs. Blue, well, Bluehost gets my uh, server money and my D, my ownership of my name. I think is still GoDaddy.
1: Okay, well then they're probably GoDaddy servers.
0: Okay,
1: yeah. But anyway, the point is, every domain that exists has to have an authoritative server because otherwise it doesn't exist. It's like, mm, do right, you publish a magazine if you don't publish a magazine? Do you own a domain if you don't publish DNS records? Okay. But as typical end users who are not owners of a domain, what you care about is the other side of the coin. I need to get the answers. And that's why resolvers are what's important to most of our listeners most of the time. Unless they own a domain, then they care about authoritative. So a resolver's job is to get answers on behalf of a client. So... There's actually two types of resolvers. There's a real resolver that does all of that work I described. So it starts at the root server and then it follows the redirects all the way down until it gets an answer and then it replies back. The other kind of resolver is the lazy kind. It's called a stub (laughs) resolver or a DNS forwarder. And these are the kind that are usually in our home routers. So what would actually happen in the real world, if you open up Safari and type in bartb.ie... Safari says to the Mac OS, yo, I need to know what IP address BartB.ie is on. And Safari will pretend, or sorry, the Mac will pretend as if it's doing the DNS resolution, but it's not. It's just going to go look up its network settings and go, who's my resolver? And It's going to forward it on probably to your home router. Your home router is also a lazy Sod. It's probably been configured to forward everything on to either your ISP by default or 1.1.1.1 or 8.8.8.8 or 9.9.9.9, one of these you know, modern newfangled resolvers. And then finally that DNS server, DNS resolver from Google or Cloudflare or whoever does Quad9 will actually do the donkey work and they'll reply to your router, your router will reply to your Mac, and your Mac will reply to your browser. And finally your browser will get the answer. But your browser may have a cache, your Mac definitely has a cache, your router has a cache, and Cloudflare have a cache. So Okay, and
0: that's back to why it's not molasses slow.
1: Exactly. So if you and Steve both look at podfeet.com, well then that's now cached in your house. If anyone else who shares one one dot one dot one has been to podfeet.com well that's now cached at one one dot one dot one. So oh, okay. These caches really build up quickly in their power. Right, so that sort of, I think, actually gives us how DNS works. Now, DNS is old. The spec was published in 1983. Oh, wow. Which means it comes from that innocent time when it had actually never occurred to anyone that there could be such a thing as a malicious internet user, because there were like five of them. Internet users, that is, not malicious ones. (laughs) And so DNS, like the old HTTP protocol, and like the old FTP protocol, does not have any security. At all. Whatsoever. Oh, really? Okay. It is a plain text protocol that uses UDP, which means it's connectionless. So, what does that mean in the real world? Well, with a TCP connection, you can be confident that the IP address on the other end is actually the IP address on the other end, it's because you have this thing called a three-way handshake that you can basically means that there has to be you actually have to be talking to that IP address. Unfortunately, UDP is like a postcard. I could write anything in the from address on a postcard and post it to you and it will arrive to you. You, have, you just have to take it on faith that what it says on the back of the postcard is where it really came from. Okay. So if you send out a DNS query looking for podfeet.com and I am sitting in the same coffee shop as you and I see the packet go out and I see that you sent it to 1.1.1.1 and you were looking for podfeet.com, I can just write you a postcard put the from address of 1.1.1.1.1 and the to address of your IP address that I've just read off the off your request and answer you back with my malicious server as the IP address. And you will have no way of knowing that you should ignore that answer because the from address will be correct. It was just written by the guy sitting next to you in the coffee shop, which wow. is why VPNs are so important. Right. Now, it's all in plain text. So even if you weren't even if the guy in the coffee shop wasn't being malicious, the, every DNS query you make is in plain text. So you might securely go to bankofamerica.com or whatever. So your actual, the content of your browsing session is completely encrypted over HTTPS. The fact that you went to bankofamerica.com is completely in the clear because your DNS query was completely unencrypted. So they may not know what you did at the bank, but they still know who your bank is if your bank happened to be bankofamerica.com, which I'm just making up, by the way, dear listeners, I don't know where Allison banks.
0: (laughs) So let me make sure I get that straight. So uh, if once I connect to bankofamerica.com over HTTPS, uh, they they can't see anything I'm saying over that connection, Mm -hmm. but they do know that I went to bankofamerica.com.
1: Yep. Because the Hmm. DNS is completely unencrypted. Okay. anyone who is between you and your your DNS resolver can see all of your queries. So that means your ISP, even though they can't see into any of your secure anything, they can see each and every single DNS query you make and they can use that to sell to advertisers.
0: Oh, this is what you've talked about. You've talked about this before. Now, I I never understood exactly why it's true until today. Is you've talked about how we worry about um, you know the fact that Verizon can see all of your uh, everywhere you've been. That you have to trust the last one in the chain that you absolutely have to trust is your ISP.
1: Yep, unless you VPN out of your house, and then you have to trust your VPN provider because your VPN provider will then see absolutely everything you're doing.
0: Oh, and again because the the DNS request is over UDP and is a postcard.
1: Yep. It's ah. unencrypted postcard. Yeah.
0: Now you mentioned in the in the coffee shop example that if you had a VPN it wouldn't be a problem that the the guy in the coffee shop couldn't see it but the VPN people could see it. Would that yeah. also be true if you used a software firewall or no?
1: No, in the firewall shop? No, firewall does not do any encryption. So a firewall stops people connecting to you. So if, you're, if your machine had software that listened to network connections like iTunes sharing or something, then without a firewall up, someone could connect to your computer. And you may have accidentally left file sharing on so they could then access stuff legitimately. Or there might be a bug in the piece of software listening on the port and they the attacker could then access that port, trigger the bug and hack your Mac. So that's the two reasons you would have a firewall. One, to stop people connecting to what's their in theory, intentionally, but you may mm-hmm. not. It may be intentional in, this, in the technical sense, but not the human sense. And if there's a bug, then it's available for being exploited. Whereas if the firewall is up, it doesn't matter that there's theoretically a vulnerability in whatever thing you're running. They can't hit it because the firewall says no. So a firewall stops incoming stuff to your Mac, but you sending out dns queries they're going out over that ethernet and remember wi-fi is just ethernet in the air right and ethernet is also one of these really old protocols with no security whatsoever so every everyone who shares a LAN with you can see all of your network traffic if they want to so that means that everyone who's on the same Wi-Fi as you can see every packet you send, and since all the UDP stuff is completely unencrypted, that means that so all the DNS stuff is completely unencrypted. That means they can see every single DNS query you make, and because it's UDP, UDP, they can write you fake replies. Mean people suck. Mean people suck. Because the reason is UDP is because instead of there being a three-way handshake before you can send the information, a UDP packet is just a postcard. So it's really efficient. And DNS servers have a lot of work to do. Those root DNS servers are the entry points to the internet. So they right. need to be able to answer quickly. So with UDP, you your resolver sends one packet, and the answer it gets back is one packet. Whereas if that was all TCP, it'd be a three-way handshake, and then I can send you the question... It's just so much It'll less efficient. forever,
0: right? Yeah.
1: yeah. So, that's the first problem. <laughs> <laughs> actually, okay. So the, okay, I'm going to give you the problems in, I in security speak. So there are three problems for what DNS is missing in a formal computer science sense. DNS does not have authenticity. In other words, there is no way to know that the source a DNS reply claims to come from is actually where it really came from. So that's what authenticity means. The source cannot be verified. It also the source, has no the integrity.
0: being the, you're talking about the response from the resolver. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. So so the answer you what get back. What we've been back, talking about, right. Yeah. So the answer okay. you get back is a client. Because ultimately what you care about is what you get back as the client. Right. But you get back as a client, you have no way of knowing it really came from who it's supposed to have come from. So there is no authenticity. There is also no integrity. Even if it did come from who it says it came from, you have no way of knowing whether it was edited en route. Whether a Hmm. malicious guy in the coffee shop simply changed a few things and then passed it on. So you have no integrity either. And you have no confidentiality, as we've described. It's all in plain text, so you don't know it came. You don't know who it came from. You don't know if it's been tampered with, and everyone can see what you're doing.
0: Why is the the whole internet not brought to its knees by this?
1: Well, because we've been addressing those problems. Ah, well, I'm so a good just like,
0: straight man, aren't
1: I? You're fantastic. This is why I keep telling people you're perfect. <laughs> this <is> why we, <laughs> yes, I keep taking you the value. Anyway, and I didn't so read, read ahead like, to see that one. Yeah, well, I mean, this is this is a trope we have seen once or twice before. So HTTP had all these same problems, and the solution was HTTPS, a secure version of HTTP. Um, POP and IMAP had these problems, and now we use POP over TLS or POP over SSL or IMAP over TLS or IMAP over SSL. FTP had these problems; we now use IMAP over TLS or IMAP over SSL. It's not IMAP, FTP or a, a file transfer protocol over SSH called SFTP. Like, we've been here before. Okay. Now, in the case of DNS, because of UDP and not TCP, like all the other examples I've mentioned, we haven't actually solved the three problems in one go. We've started by dealing with the most dangerous problem, which is the fact that you don't have authenticity or integrity because they're very closely interrelated. So, the first problem the internet tried to solve was authenticity and integrity. At the very least, even if we can't be secret, at the very least, can we be sure that the answer we got is correct? That does seem like the most important way for the internet not to fall over.
0: Right, right. So, if the source was wrong, but the answer was right, that's okay. (laughs) It's less bad than the other way around.
1: Wait, to be honest, it's not, because if it didn't come from the authoritative source, then it's not correct, by definition. Oh, Okay. So they are completely related authenticity and integrity. And they are both solved in one go by something called DNSSEC, which is in the slow process of being rolled out. So DNSSEC quite simply uses public key cryptography to digitally sign the responses. So the recipient, so the server has to support DNSSEC. So the server will publish some extra... The The authoritative server for the debating question oh, so okay. if okay so the whole of .gov does DNSSEC now so whitehouse.gov does DNSSEC and .com supports DNSSEC at the very top level so if you wanted to you could do DNSSEC on .com because .com does DNSSEC but okay. you don't and I don't on podfee.ie even though .ie does DNSSEC too but in the US government, it is a legal requirement that all US government domains do DNSSEC. So all the .govs are DNSSEC. So let's pick WhiteHouse.gov as an example. So WhiteHouse.gov has authoritative DNS servers. And those DNS servers answer a few extra questions. So there's a few extra record types that PodFeed and Bart B don't have. And one of those is a record that publishes the public key for WhiteHouse.gov. And that public key is actually sort of also published, countersigned by the com, sorry, the gov name servers. Uh, But let's not not get too far down the rabbit hole. The point is the public key is published in a secure way. That's what matters. Okay. So you can get the public key for whitehouse.gov. And then every time whitehouse.gov answers a question, it gives the answer just like it has done since 1983... And it adds to the bottom of that answer a digital signature signed with its private key that matches the public key that you've downloaded.
0: So it's, it's not a, a single packet anymore.
1: It is. They just about managed to squeeze it onto the postcard. So there's a postscript <laughs> at the bottom of every postcard that says, <laughs> and here's my digital signature.
0: So it is a single packet?
1: It is just about still managing to squeeze in. Yeah, we're basically we stretched that UDP packet to its absolute maximum size, but yes, there was enough room at the bottom of the postcard to squeeze it in. <laughs> so it is still a single UDP packet.
0: Okay, so let me see if I follow that again. So they when when the um DNS resolver mm-hmm. responds, it includes the private key?
1: Okay, no. So it's so, okay, so Leave the resolver out of it for the moment. So the person who owns the domain, they make themselves a public and a private key and they publish the public key with the help of actually the com, uh, the, sorry, the gov mail servers, or DNS servers in this example. Okay. So between the .gov servers and the whitehouse.gov servers, the public key is published. So that okay. key is available to anyone who wants it. Okay. So then you say, well, I want to go to www.whitehouse.gov. So you're now saying to a resolver somewhere, will you go fetch me the answer for WhiteHouse.gov? And eventually it makes its way to the authoritative server for WhiteHouse.gov. Right. And that authoritative server answers with the IP address like it always did. And at the bottom of the postcard, PS is so what looks like some random gibberish, but it's actually a digital signature signed with a private key. And that makes its way through the DNS system and gets cached and all the usual shenanigans and it could be edited and all that stuff is true. And then it finally arrives at your Mac. And your Mac, if it supports DNSSEC, which it does because it's a Mac, your Mac will then say, okay, so I got this answer and I have this digital signature and I have this public key. I'm going to use the public key to re-encrypt the answer and I should get back the same signature. If I do, I know that it really did come from whitehouse.gov and it has not been altered in transit. And if I get anything else when I redo the signature, it has either been tampered with or it was not, or it was not from them.
0: Okay, so let, let me see if I can repeat one piece of that. I, I give myself a 63% chance of being able to do this. So okay. my Mac, which supports DNSSEC, Mm-hmm. gets this answer that has the uh the digital signature from whitehouse.gov that includes the in, the uh private key the encrypted no, private inc- key or yes it's, it's encrypted with the private key bingo so now i'm a, i've asked for whitehouse.gov uh my mac can recreate the signature cuz it knows the public key Yes, and then it compares the two.
1: Yes, and if they so, match,
0: so if you if you encrypt the White House Tech of signature with the public key and the private key, you get the same thing.
1: Right. So whatever you encrypt with the private, sorry. Yes, you could use the public key to validate the signature by the private key. So the public key will decrypt the private to get you back to where you came from, which should match what's in the packet.
0: Oh, oh, oh! Okay, it it does. They don't both create the same thing. It's that you use the public key to decrypt the signature that should show you that yes, this did come from the place you asked for it.
1: Yes, yeah. Close I mean that's enough. how. The, yeah, okay. exactly. So that's okay. how asymmetric encryption works. So basically, the public key allows you to verify that it was the private key that did it in the first place. Okay. So you have no privacy, right? But we do now have authenticity and integrity. And DNSSEC is, as I say, it's rolled out on the holo.gov and it's available on just about every top-level domain. So any corporation that wishes to add that extra layer of security has the ability to do so. And if I wanted to, I could. If you wanted to, you could. Now, in reality, managing those keys is a pain in the backside. And creating all those digital signatures is a pain in the backside. So most people don't do it unless they have a really good reason to, like they're the government of America, say. But the technology is there. That problem has been solved at a technical level.
0: Hmm. But that
1: doesn't get us what we as regular Joe Soap care about way more. We want confidentiality, please, from our ISPs and everyone in the coffee shop seeing everything we're doing. So that's the other problem to be solved, right? Confidentiality, and that is where DOH and DOT comes storming into this conversation. Oh, that's I was the problem. When we'd get there. <laughs> yeah, right. So DNSSEC has solved the other two problems, and the last remaining problem is confidentiality, and we're much earlier in the process. So, it, I think a year, maybe two from now. DOH and DOT will be widely supported, but we're still in the this is now where the nerds are playing phase as opposed to this is technology that's ubiquitous. But anyway, these technologies take the same approach that HTTPS took to wrap HTTP in TLS slash SSL. By the way, if anyone's wondering what why we say TLS SSL, SSL version 1 and SSL version 2 and SSL version 3 were not followed by SSL version 4. The next version of SSL is TLS version 1.
0: Because they hate us? The same people who, who named all the USB speeds?
1: If they were, almost, but the USB ones, they rename them when they make a new one, don't they?
0: Yeah, but it's, it's all tangly with types and, and versions oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, Yeah,
1: it's from the same playbook. So I like to say TLS these days because at this stage, no one should be using any of the SSLs. They all have horrible security holes. We should all be using TLS by now. But TLS is SSL 4. So I, I sort of end up saying both of them every time. Um, HTTPS is just HTTP over TLS. FTPS is FTP over TLS. And SFTP is a similar protocol over SSH, which is also secure. Secure IMAP is IMAP over TLS. Secure POP is POP over TLS. So the two frontrunners for doing something with DNS in terms of privacy are DNS over TLS. Oh, well, that sounds familiar. That's DOT. And then a very close relation, and you're going to... I think you might see how close a relationship this is. DNS over HTTPS is the other option. Now, HTTPS is HTTP over TLS. So DNS over HTTPS is DNS over HTTP over TLS. And DNS over TLS is just DNS over TLS. So they're very close (laughs) neighbours.
0: Easy for you to say, Bart.
1: (laughs) No, it isn't. (laughs) They're very close neighbours to each other. So why do they both exist? Well, the answer is that they, they're optimized for different circumstances. So DNS over TLS is perfect for your home router to act as your stub resolver and to use DNS over TLS to talk to the real resolver, say at 1.1.1.1. But your web browser does an awful lot of DNS lookups. Now, by default, it asks your operating system and your operating system asks your router. But there's no need for it to do that if it doesn't want to. Your browser could decide to secure your browsing DNS lookups, even if that wouldn't protect anything else in your computer. And something your browser is really good at and really well optimized for is talking HTTPS. So DNS over HTTPS is completely the browser vendor's preferred choice. So the idea is that your browser would keep one HTTPS connection open to the resolver, and every web page you go to, it just sends that query through the one existing connection. So instead of having to do a three-way handshake and all that kind of stuff each time, you do the handshake once when you start the browser and you make a permanent connection to your resolver using DNS over HTTPS, and then you just pop every question into the pipe you've already built, and then the answer comes back out of that same pipe.
0: I, I'm, I'm getting kind of lost, Bart. Okay, um.
1: <laughs> where would you it's, like me to back up to? Oh uh,
0: well, so I can read the words DNS over TLS and DNS over HTTPS, which is HTTP over TLS. Mm-hmm. I can read that, but I I don't have any sense, and I and I lost track of where you use DNS over TLS. I I can remember that the one with DNS over HTTPS nope, is going to be for web browsers because they do all that HTTPS stuff. But mm-hmm. I don't remember already what you said DNS over TLS was good for, and I really don't understand how this actually works, this holding an HTTPS connection open thing. I, d- I lost you at both of those places.
1: Okay, well, let's rewind to DNS over TLS first. So okay. when you everything you do from your Mac, the first thing that gets asked is your operating system, and then it goes off and finds the answer. So if your operating system had support for DNS over DNS over TLS, it could securely encrypt the question as it sends it to the real resolver, and therefore it will be encrypted all the way through your ISP all the way out to say 1.1.1.1.
0: So hang on, what what is my uh, Mac asking the Internet for that isn't through a web browser?
1: Uh, every time you open Mail.app, every time you open okay. anything else that talks on the internet. So when we opened Discord, we made a bunch of DNS requests. When we oh, okay. opened Skype, we'd have made a bunch of DNS requests. When we opened Telegram, we'd have made a bunch of DNS requests.
0: Okay, good, good, good. Okay, so that that's starting to make sense. So these are all things that aren't browser-based, are just going to do DNS over TLS.
1: Now, nah, Yes, but if our I, I operating thought- system...
0: If it supports it. So I, I, yeah. I thought you couldn't do TLS over UDP. I thought that was the whole three-way handshake thing we talked about. No? You
1: can't, which is why what you actually end up doing is you sort of, you keep that connection alive a little bit longer. You do some clever stuff like that. So the connection between your Mac and your resolver would be more permanent. But what the resolver does afterwards is still going to be the old UDP stuff. So it's effectively a, you can almost think of it like a VPN for DNS only. So imagine oh, a DNS nice. tunnel between your mac and 1.1.1.1. Okay. And then you Anyone get all the questions securely then it's all out. Okay. Yeah. And from that point on like 1.1.1.1 is the DNS server for 20 million people. So there's no privacy leak the fact that after that point it's all in the clear because All they're going to see is that 1.1.1.1 wants to know where podfeed.com is. Well, what does that tell anyone? Nothing. Someone on planet Earth wants to know where podfeed is. That's not an invasion of privacy. That's just a statistic.
0: Right, right. Okay. All right. So that's DNS over TLS.
1: Yeah. Now, in an ideal world, your Mac would do that. And I think two years from now, that's realistic. Today, your Mac cannot do that. So the best you can hope for today is what Scott has, which is that Scott's home router supports DLS over TLS.
0: DNS over TLS? DNS.
1: So he says his ASUS running the Merlin custom firmware supports DOT. So what that means is your Mac talks to your router insecurely, but it's your LAN. And if there's someone in there who's naughty, you have a way bigger problem. (laughs) Right. Right. And then your router encrypts all the DNS queries as far as 1.1.1.1. And then we're still in a really good place. So that's what you can do today if your home router supports DOH.
0: Ah, okay.
1: Now, today, without any hassle, you can download Firefox. And Firefox today has a checkbox right in the settings panel called Enable DOH. And that will create the same kind of a VPN-like contraption but between your browser and 1.1.1.1. So that will protect everything you do in the browser but nothing else. Really?
0: Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Without so Your Firefox, browser basically if you enable this says does it say specifically like uh, something about uh, let's see, privacy and security does it say something about DOT?
1: DOH. Or DOH, sorry. Yes, it's it's somewhere in the settings. I don't have it open right now in front of me. I probably should have. But there's literally a checkbox.
0: That's funny. I did a search on the web page for settings and and, uh, I typed in DOH. It shows me the settings bubble with the word DOH on it. So DOH is not in the text, but they put it in like a little pop-up thing so that you can find it it must have that's, some
1: sort of metadata tag that's interesting. Yeah,
0: enable DNS over HTTPS. Yeah. User use provider Cloudflare by default. Look at that. Yep. Oh, well, that's kind of nifty
1: and easy, right? That's a lot easier than custom firmware on your Asus router. Yeah. Now, there is a, you know, so that is definitely progress because that means that all of your web browsing is now private. Yeah. However, nothing else is being protected <laughs> by that, right? That is right. only Firefox traffic. So anything you do in Safari, not protected. Anything you do in Telegram, well, okay, so Telegram will encrypt the content of your messages, but the fact that you're using Telegram will still be completely visible because there'll be DNS queries coming from the Telegram client to the Telegram servers. Everything you do in your mail, the DNS queries will be visible. You know, So lots of DNS will still be leaking out, but your browsing won't be, and that's progress, and it's really easy to do. Chrome also has support for DOH, but in Chrome's case, it's not quite as ready. So for Chrome today, you have to actually use a terminal command to enable it. Hmm. Because they haven't built can. a GUI. But you can.
0: Oh, nice. So Safari's way behind.
1: I don't think it's fair to call it way behind yet, right? This is what I'm saying. We're at the very bleeding edge here. A year from now, I think it's fair to say if, like, if iOS 14 comes out, and there's no DOH, then I think it's fair to start wa- waggling fingers. Okay. And if the, you know, spring 2020 update from Microsoft comes out and Edge doesn't have support for DOH, I'd wag a finger at that. And if okay. Google don't get a bloody gooey in front of the support they already have deep down in the bowels of their browser, well, that definitely deserves some finger wagging because they've done most of the heavy lifting. Just give us a bloody GUI. Right, right. But Firefox are leading the charge. And do you remember the ridiculous news story about a month and a half, two months ago, where the British ISPs voted Firefox the most evil software on the planet because they were blocking ISPs from watching what people did? The
0: no, reason, I remember that.
1: It was a big thing. The UK's like Federation of ISPs have this joke annual award for the most evil person on the internet. And they gave it to Firefox, and the reason they gave it to Firefox was because Firefox provided DOH, and DOH will stop ISPs from seeing what you're doing. Wow. And So that is how this all ties into this question from Scott.
0: Now, of course, we need it to work on our phones, too. Probably on our phones more than almost anything, right?
1: Right. So, what we, So if we have it to the point where we get it on our routers, then that means that as long as we're home, we're all good. And if we get to the point where iOS and macOS support it, well, then we're just good. So I think that's... We really want it in our operating systems. We want d we want DOT in our operating systems, and we want DOH in our browsers. And then we're just golden. Let's say that one more time. What are the two things we want? So we want DOT in our operating systems and in our routers, frankly. I'll have it mm-hmm. in both, please.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And... I want DOH in all of our browsers. Right, right. I would think so. And I think we're within one to two years of that being the norm.
0: So you mentioned something early up front about uh, DNS poisoning. Hmm. Uh, Is that what you were talking about when you said uh, people could be in the coffee shop and send you the answer themselves to to the wrong kind?
1: So remember I said that there's caches all the way down? Yeah. So poisoning means putting a wrong answer in a cache.
0: Oh, well so how do they get it in a wrong answer into a cache?
1: By fro- by impersonating a DNS packet to a resolver. Sorry, to, yeah, to a resolver. So imagine that your router, set, you know, so your router is a stub resolver, so it just forwards the query onto someone else. Well, if your ISP was really malicious, your ISP could give a fraudulent answer and your router would then cache the fraudulent answer. Oh,
0: okay, okay. So your router has now
1: been poisoned and it will keep that wrong answer until the cache expires. So every single Mac and every single iPhone and every single everything on your home network is now going to get the wrong answer until that cache expires. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, and that's called cache poisoning. And the Dan Kaminsky attack, does that ring a bell at all? I remember the guy's name. Well, the Kaminsky attack was one of the first of these mega, mega, mega uh, vulnerabilities that basically they kept it secret for six months while all of the OS vendors changed how their DNS worked. It was the first of the mega, mega bugs. Uh, That bug allowed people who were not in the middle to poison caches. So anyone on the internet could spray, say, 5 million DNS packets at your router... And because of a problem with how DNS was done, your router had a fairly high chance of believing one of those millions of packets sprayed at it and poisoning its cache. So Uh. someone wouldn't even have to be a man in the middle to poison caches. And that was really, really scary. Because then anyone on the internet could just spray a few million packets at my home router and I would get the wrong answer for Google for the next hour. (laughs) Right, that's catastrophic. And yeah. that's why the Kaminsky attack was kept secret for six months while everyone fixed everything.
0: Oh wow. Okay.
1: Okay. So have I have I met our goal here and explained DOT and DOH?
0: Yeah, you definitely have. Um it's I'm mostly intrigued by the fact that I'd absolutely never heard of it. Um and I thank Scott for asking the question. I do see some other notes in in here about experimenting mm-hmm.
1: with it. Is that yeah, so we've we've talked around all of this, right? So if you want to play with DOT, there's two ways you can do it. So you can run a Resolver app on your Mac or your Windows PC. So basically, you can run an app that is a Resolver on your computer, which means it will be running at 127.0.0.1 on some random port. And then you can point your computer's DNS server at 127.0.0.1, and then, you ha- then everything that happens on your computer will go through that new resolver you just made that supports DOH. Sorry, DOT. That's how you could play with DOT. Like I say, we're in- This is in the experimental stage, remember? So if you want to experiment, that is a thing you could do. Okay. Another thing you could do is what Scott has at his disposal. You could get a router that supports DOH, or, do, sorry, DOT I should have there. What is my show notes? Which one? My show My DOT show notes are fine right up until they get to the point two when they suddenly start talking about DOH instead of DOT.
0: Um, okay, so if your home router supports it, configure it to act as uh, those should say DOT. I'll they should say it. DOT I'll it, I'll because, because they're the DOT end. section,
1: yeah. Okay. So Scott could enable that right now, and then everything that happens on Scott's network would be encrypted over DOT because his router is sitting in the middle of everything. So that would be a place he could experiment.
0: Now, you could do what I just did. You could go to the Netgear forums and give an upvote to the person who last uh, October uh, put a point in asking Netgear to uh, support uh, DNS over TLS.
1: Oh, that would be a very useful thing to do. That would be great (laughs) to have it in the standard firmware. Yeah. 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 Uh, And then if you want to play with DOH, you can either run your own resolver again, or way, 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 way way simpler is simply use Firefox.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now, have you started using Firefox as your default as a result, or?
1: Uh, To be honest, no, because there is actually a slight downside that I haven't, I didn't want to go into in the show notes, but. What the hey, we're having this conversation, why not? So if you tell your browser to send every DNS query straight through a tunnel to 1.1.1.1, to Cloudflare, your browser has no communication whatsoever now with your router. So if you run a home network with custom DNS names for, say, file sharing and stuff on your LAN, your browser has now lost all ability to ever get there, because 1.1.1.1 has no idea where my NAS is.
0: Ah, uh, okay.
1: And it has no idea where my home internal web server that I use for development work is. <laughs> now, that's not a normal scenario. Right, 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 right. So that's why I'm not experimenting with it. Not because I need, it. my local DNS actually publishes a whole bunch of DNS records I want. And so if I bypass my local DNS, I've just shot myself in the foot. Right, right. Securely, but, you know.
0: <laughs> I like it. So I think one of my favorite things about this episode is I'm going to publish it under the title Chit Chat Across the Pond Light.
1: Oh, this is a well-deserved <laughs> light. Right up there with the wireless spectrum stuff with uh, John F. Braun, wasn't it? All right.
0: No, Dave Hamilton. Dave Hamilton.
1: Dave Hamilton. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I think it's worthy of that. Now, um, Now, I notice uh, you say listener Scott. Do we by any chance have his Twitter handle that we can put into the show notes or give him do a. You
1: know, we do. It's sitting in pocket. So let me actually just go fetch it out of pocket for you so and we then can we give actually, him the that full on so shout out. Good, out. Yeah. yeah. So, so listener Scott also known down. as. We at. have at ScottF2016. Scott? F F2016 I'm just going to put the whole link to the tweet into the show notes and then Oh, there you go. But I have rewritten a lot
0: of this stuff. I've, I've put the Oh, in that case, top, I'm just going to send
1: you the link through Discord and then you can, you can do the there rest. There you go. That's what we'll... There you go. One link.
0: Well, this is cool. I, I appreciate you taking the time to go through this. This is fun. Um, I absolutely reserve the right two years from now to say Bart, you never told us anything about this. I've never heard of this. <laughs>
1: Well the thing is Alison, you've made the Homer Simpson joke, so you definitely have heard about DOH.
0: Oh, that's what I'll say. I'll say I remember that and then there's uh there's there's nothing else that i am gonna go, but I have no idea what else it was.
1: <laughs> now, you're gonna say something like there was something to do with donuts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like it, I like it.
1: D' donuts. Well, uh,
0: until next time, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure when, what we'll be doing next. Uh, with any luck, we might be back to programming. I don't know whether
1: you're... Yeah, so schedules. I, it, assuming everything goes to plan, and I bloody well hope everything goes to plan, assuming everything goes to plan, I will be on leave from work for the last two weeks of September, at which point I will be chillaxing and getting back into normal business. So I will be getting stuck into writing show notes then. And that then may I not really, really, us really am going to be... Weeks, in, yeah, I'm not quite sure where I'll be doing we'll in two see. weeks. You're we'll right. See. Yeah, yeah. It, it does sort of depend on how the next two weeks go. Because if they go really, really well, then that would be great. And if they go terribly, horribly, and I'm squeezing in stuff before I go and leave, that won't be so good. We shall see.
0: <laughs> oh, Scott Fairclough. Sir Fairclough. I'm Not sure. F
1: A I R C L O U G H. I would say Fairclough if it, if I was assuming, or Fairclaw if I was assuming a Scottish or Irish pronunciation.
0: Well, we'll go with that. <laughs> All right. Well, Bart, this was really fun. I enjoyed it, and it was uh, super nerdy. Love me some propeller beanie light.
1: Yeah, and I would just like to encourage any listener: if 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 something triggers your fancy, th- this is great because this saves me having to be imaginative. I, <laughs> I appreciate this. Well, yeah, so you, you said these have-
0: show notes throat yourself because it's your wheelhouse.
1: Yeah, DNS is completely my wheelhouse. So, like, if you have a question about something, I mean, just ask, or I can't promise an answer. But, hey, if you ask, the, the, there's a chance you'll get an answer. And it's, you know, so ask. And fun. Yes, exactly. Anyway. Art, how do you I've feel been,
0: about regular expressions? Oh, no, go on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if I could find an excuse. Anyway, no, regular expressions rock. Um, anyway, we probably enough chattering on. So until... Ooh. Until next time, ah, what the hey, stay patched and stay secure.
0: If you learn as much from Bart each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.